Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of Dreadful Talk Podcast. Um, I'm excited about this one. Um, this is going to be a slightly different episode. Um, I had a guest fall through at the last minute. Um, first time encountering that obstacle. Um, not the end of the world. Um, I don't think he did it on purpose to be a dick or anything. I think it was just opportunity came up. You know, um, I get it. You know, I'm not mad at him. Um, you know, kind of did ghost me a little bit, but it, it's all good. Um, not too hung up on it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to just continue with the things that I was going to discuss with my guest. But I'm just going to do it solo with y'all. Um, if I'm being quite honest, I'm honestly a better talker than listener anyway. So, you know, I'm just going to discuss the same issues that I was going to discuss with my guest. Just, um, you know given my perspective on it and and um and we'll, and we'll just get through this we'll, we'll do it y'all you know i definitely didn't want you know let anything stop the hustle stop the grind stop the progress um that we've been making and um we have been making a lot of progress y'all um dreadful talk is now officially available on almost every audio podcast platform um that includes spotify amazon um you know, we most of your audio podcast um, places that you listen to like to listen to podcasts. Um, it, it is there. We're working on Apple Podcasts. It's not quite there yet, um, but yeah. And then we uh, the Dreadful Talk website officially under construction. The Dreadful Talk T-shirts officially being printed up this week. So I'm telling you, we're grinding. We're making progress. Um, a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes, and, and I love that part of it. I'm just enjoying this journey and loving how, you know, people are having faith in me and believing with me. Um, and, and speaking of having faith of and believing it to me, let me, let me just, um, I got to shout out our lovely sponsor, um, great man by the name of Zach Brown. I apologize for not having this ready. Apologize that everybody bear with me. And this episode of Dreadful Talk Podcast is brought to you by Zach Brown. You may ask, who's Zach Brown? Zach Brown is a, is a man in Norman, Oklahoma, but he can help you in the entire South um mid-south region and he can what can he help you with he can help you with real estate he can help you with life insurance he can help you with property insurance he's a really good man to know really good man to do business with um you can be yourself with him it's not going to be an uptight unpleasant experience you know he's a man of the people he, he wants to help you he wants to help me he, he's there to help people and you can reach him at 405-255 seven eight six seven four zero five two five five seven eight six seven and i actually tag his instagram in this video so you can reach him um, via social media as well um that's zach brown he can help you with real estate life insurance and property insurance in the mid-south region and um he is sponsoring today's episode of dreadful talk podcast so cheers to zach thank you so much for believing in me and we believe in you 
And um, and we'll keep it pushing with this um, episode of Dreadful Talk. So cheers to Zach. Everybody hit him up with your life insurance, property insurance, and real estate needs. He's a man of many talents, many skills. Good man to know. Save that number in your phone. All right. And we're just going to dive in. So I actually started Dreadful Talk to kind of voice my opinion on serious matters like I think some of one of my very first episodes was about like you know right after George Floyd died and um you know and so this podcast had kind of a serious origin now I also knew that you can't be serious ever all the time and I didn't want to be serious all the time and I wanted to have some fun and um talk about some things that interested me that aren't necessarily you know political or racial or things of that nature but this show kind of did have its foundation in that more serious side of things. Um, I've kind of veered away from that a little bit lately. And that's, maybe it's subconscious, maybe it was intentional, but um, I've actually learned that like I, I, th- doing this podcast can be somewhat of an escape. Um, you know, I'm, we're, we're all having just bad news shoved down our throats from our phones, from our TVs, from our radios. I mean, the fires, the economy, the virus, the shit show of an election that's taken place. Um, you know, we're all just getting just like I have a tube down our throats, force feeding us like, you know, kind of intense shit 24-7 it seems like. And, you know, for two or three hours a week, you know, while I'm doing these podcasts, you know, sometimes I choose to talk about, you know, whether it be sports cards or plants or, um, you know, interview a very talented person that I know. Um, and, and we both kind of just get to engage in a conversation um, or, you know, those listening, you know, get to listen to a conversation. And, and I feel like sometimes it's good to kind of zone out and, and forget all of this just chaos that's happening in 2020 in, in America. And, but that being said, I also don't want this to be like an ostrich, ostrich with its head in the sand kind of podcast or like a fingers in the ear, la, 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 la type of podcast. Like I don't want to just blatantly ignore some of the things that's going on in this country and, you know, just talk about, you know, jerking off in lollipops on every episode. Granted, you know, sometimes that, sometimes we all need a break and who doesn't like jerking off in lollipops, but point being, you know, sometimes there's bigger fish to fry. Um, and I'm going to attempt to fry some of that fish up for y'all, um, on this episode of Dreadful Talk. Um, you know, I said it, it's, it's not going to be the most lighthearted episode. Um, probably won't be my funniest episode. Uh, but I feel like it's an important episode. Um, and I, it's something that I wanted to, you know, I don't know whether to talk about with y'all, get off my chest. Like I said, today's episode was originally supposed to have a guest. I had, um, you know, I was going to have on somebody I really looked up to, you know, in the whole, you know, community leadership role, kind of civil rights, like, you know, racial type of things, good man to discuss that type of thing with, but um, I feel like I'm a good person to discuss that type of thing with, and that's what I want to do with y'all, just kind of do it long form, kind of monologue style, but I'm still just going to kind of bounce some ideas around and, and, and essentially have a conversation with my audience um, on this episode, as opposed to, um, you know, 
having a conversation with my guest. And like I said a little while ago, I'm a better I'm a better talker than listener anyway, so maybe it'll go over smoother this way. Um, so I want to talk about I'm gonna start off by talking about the um, Breonna Taylor verdict, um, how no officers were charged with murder. I believe one officer was charged with a property crime, um, a crime I've ever actually heard of, wanted endangerment, wanton endangerment. Um, so, but I believe that's what happened. So we're gonna um, we're gonna eventually get into the Breonna Taylor situation. Um, we're gonna get into just race relations in this country. Um, I, I, I've studied this a lot. Um, for those that don't know, I am a mixed man. Um, I am part African-American, part black. Um, and so I have a unique perspective. I was raised in what some people call the South, some people call the Midwest. I was raised in Oklahoma, sometimes in a small town. So I've experienced a thing or two. I know, you know, I've danced this dance. I've had to play this game of the, the race you know, thing, I've had it be an issue in my life. And, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of our listeners of color have too. And, 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 if, and if you are, you know, a person listening or watching that's not a um, person of color, I don't want you to turn this off. Even if it feels uncomfortable, I feel like this could be a learning moment. Um, I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I'm not saying that I speak for all black people. I'm not saying that, like, this is the gospel. But I feel like maybe... This could be something that you can maybe learn a thing or two from, perhaps. I I would hope one would hope, um, and, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going for on this. I just want to try to you know, try to take it measured approach, you know, not get too crazy. Just talk about some things, and um, and y'all don't got no choice but to let me talk because because it's just me, me and you this week. Uh, so, my first question I was going to ask my guest, but I'm just going to kind of dive into with y'all, is would you say that race relations are better right now than they were two years ago? And to do that, you got to kind of think of where things were two years ago. I mean, two years isn't that long of a time. Um, we were still in Donald Trump's presidency. Um, there still was problems with police brutality. That's been going on a lot longer than two years. Um, but there wasn't, I don't feel like this, like take to the streets, like actual skirmishes between like right and left wing and, or like, you know, racist and, and pro black groups. Um, so I feel like compared to two years ago, I don't want to say there's more violence, but what's potentially more disheartening or alarming is that the violence is becoming more organized. That's uh, on on both sides, um, and, and and that could that's typically not a good thing. That's typically a sign of escalation. So while I won't say like number of violent incidents or the intensity of violence is any is any better really or worse i do feel like you know people are just teaming up more than ever and, and these clashes are starting to be like group on group as opposed to just random group of racists versus random group of, of minorities it's it seems to be more organized like lines are being more drawn in the sand more organized you know factions 
um, both on the right, both on the left, both on the white, both on the black, you know, all, everybody is just like circling the wagons, as they say, and, and, and just, you know, really digging their heels in, and, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's like in PE class when you're a little kid, and you, you know, you picking teams, like people, people picking teams, like which side, and I think we've all experienced this. I mean, I know I've lost friends over the past couple of years in this, um, you know, heated racial climate. I, I've lost friends over, you know, beliefs, differences. And, um, you know, it's kind of cliche, but it really does sum it up good. Like you see a lot of memes going around the Internet nowadays saying like, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, we can disagree on things and still be friends. Like. We can disagree on pizza toppings or music choices or coffee shops or favorite bars, but we can't like disagree on like, you know, like human rights and, and racism and, and things of that nature. And, um, and, and I feel like, you know, like that, that line is being drawn in the sand. Like I'm probably going to say that a lot of um, times over the course of this podcast, like that line's being drawn in the sand just like I imagine this is kind of how it felt like back when the Civil War was gearing up like probably a kid you grew up playing with his parents is on one side your parents is on the other side and a couple years later you're shooting each other in the Civil War now I'm not predicting Civil War that's not the, the reason why I chose that analogy but that's just probably the last time this country was just divided and like how like neighbors they say brothers fought against brothers neighbors fought against neighbors that that teaming up has happened. I mean, who hasn't had to, you know, unfriend unfriend an uncle on Facebook or, you know, the the kid who, you know, maybe he grew up you was their football your little league football coach and um, you know, you were friends with this kid your whole childhood, but he's on Facebook saying some dumbass racist shit or you know what I mean? Like we've all I feel like that I can't be the only one experiencing that, you know, or just like Hell, people, I grew up going to the Thanksgiving at their house, and now we ain't cool. Just like that division. And, and, and now some people blame the, the, the division. Like some people say like, oh, we got to all get along. Like we got to find common ground. And I do agree with that statement, you know, in its purest form. We We, we really should aim for that. But that doesn't mean that like, like the, the, the point of right and wrong doesn't fluctuate. Like if, if somebody's on the wrong, like every once in a while a time comes, you got to stand up for something. You got to believe in something. You can't necessarily ride the fence. Like, and it is a struggle between that and trying to bring people together. Like, because you know, that can be polarizing, but like if there's certain issues that you can't budge on, like there's no compromising on racism to me. Um, so I hear that a lot. From and it seems to be from people on the right saying that like, you know, the left wants division. But people on the left say Trump wants division too. But you 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 hear it from both sides. And um, for those listening, I mean, I I don't really categorize myself as any political party. I mean, in a lot of ways, I lean left, but like I'm very pro gun. Um, I do favor a small government. Um, I don't like the way that, like, you know, a lot of democratic states have handled, you know, things like, you know, homelessness and, and things like that. So I I, I, I kind of do like to ride things down the middle on a lot of things, even though a lot of people think I'm just, you know, a guy with dreads from California. I must be some Antifa lefty. Like, that's not really me at all. Like, I grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up playing football, fishing, shooting guns. Like, 
I also, I, but I'm also very like pro cannabis, you know, I'm very like, you know, I'm against ice. So just like, like, I'm not saying I'm like a fence rider, but I really do see like things on both sides that I agree with and things on both sides that I don't agree with. And I think most people fall in that category. So I think, and I, the, I hate the blending of race and politics because you can't bring up race. If you try to discuss race with somebody, they'll say, like, oh, let's not talk about politics. Like, dog, I didn't say the word Republican or Democrat one time. Like, when did race become politics? Like, when did Black Lives Matter become Democrat and All Lives Matter become Republican? And, like, there's all these just this tribalism, these teaming up, these lines in the sand all these code words and dog whistles that like signify which team you're on. And it's just, it's bullshit. But, but there is, there is right and wrong. Like as much as I want everybody to come together and as much as I want the division to stop, like you can't just turn a blind eye to, to evil or to, to what's right and what's wrong and, and, and the injustices that are taking place in this country. Um, so to bring things full circle to the original question, I think things are worse than they were two years ago, largely due to like the organization of the violence, like the, the, the factions, the factions, like being more organized as opposed to just like random scruffles between people with ideologies. Now they're just, they're, they're organizing and, um, and yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. I really appreciate that. Um, those listening uh, or watching, you know, um, I do stream these live as well. So certain people watch live and, and certain people watch after the fact. So sometimes it's kind of hard to, you know, juggle catering to both audiences. But I, I do my best and I want to provide a good listening experience to everybody. And I do appreciate those of you that do tune in, tune in live on my Instagram at DreadfulTalkDom. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Dreadful Talk Dome, but I stream I stream live off of my Instagram. So anybody out there listening that wants to catch a show live, you know, feel free to tune in on my Instagram at Dreadful Talk Dome. So yeah, I'd say I'd say things are worse than two years ago. I don't I don't think it's more violent, but the organization and like the deeper lines being drawn in the sand, kind of. Um, Kind of makes me think that it's worse in a lot of ways. Um, am I optimistic or pessimistic moving forward on on the topic of, of race relations in America? Um, I'm pessimistic. Um, I don't know if this was you wanted to tune in and hear have somebody hold your hand and tell you everything's gonna be all right. Um, this probably ain't the podcast for that. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist because I really, I'm really not. Like, I'm the guy that, like, is always looking for solutions and way out of problems. And I spend a lot of my, that's how my brain works. And, um, but just looking at the facts of the matter and, like, where, where this car's headed, where this train's headed, it ain't going nowhere good. I'll tell you that much. Um, I also decided this, today's podcast topic before the shit show of a debate last night. I, um. I wanted to talk about this even before the debate. Um, but last night on, on live television, hugely watched event, the first presidential debate between um, President Donald Trump and, um, you know, um, former Vice President Joe Biden. 
the, um, the battle of the geriatrics. Jesus Christ, is there not anybody under the age of 9,000 that can run for president? Like, I even kind of like Bernie, but that applies to his old ass too. Like, like, you don't need 60 goddamn years of experience to be president. I'd rather have somebody that could run a mile. Jesus fucking Christ. But anyway, off topic. Oh, he's ageist. He's ableist. Yeah, eat a dick. It's a hard job. You need to be able-bodied. If that makes me an ableist, then eat a dick. Like, I'm not saying, you know, you can't have a handicap or be old and work any old job at Walmart or whatever. But to be the fucking president? Get the fuck out of here. Like, if a goddamn, you know, 79-year-old dude was, like, changing the brakes on my car, I wouldn't want to fucking drive down a mountain first thing. I'm going to go around the block a few times and pump those motherfucking brakes and test them out. And we got these motherfuckers with their finger on the nukes just fucking jammed to the gills with Adderall and goddamn testosterone. It's a fucking shit show. What is this? But that being said, I, the, the debate last night, so I just shit on both candidates before, you know, Trumpers get on here talking about, oh, but Biden, yeah, Biden sucks dick. But what Biden didn't do last night is tell alt-right white supremacist Proud Boys to be on standby. That's a fact. That's not fake news. That's not leftist propaganda. That's not radical black ideology. That's not... That's the motherfucking facts of the matter. He said, stand back, not stand down. Because that's what the... Oh, he meant stand down. No, if he meant stand down, he would have said stand down. He said stand back. As in, at the ready and stand by, meaning I'm going to let y'all know when to move. Like, if I got a goon with me and I tell him be on standby, that's not telling him not to do shit. That's me telling him I'm going to let you know when to do some shit. There is no, and like I said, I'm not some far lefty. I had a bunch of people online um, yesterday and this morning. Oh, you must be some purple-haired transgender from San Francisco. <laughs> no, man, I'm telling you. I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm a straight man. I'm married. I play football. I shoot guns. I'm a gun owner. I'm pro-Second Amendment. Like, I'm not some snowflake crybaby live. I'm not. And that probably offends some of my left-wing audience. I'm not that. I, if you want that, I'm not your guy. I kind of look like that. I'm a mixed guy. I got long dreads. I'm in the Bay Area. But I'm not some hardcore lefty. I'm really not. I'm, I'm pro-gun. There's a lot of things that the far left, you know, like does that I'm not the biggest fan of. But talking about lines being drawn on the sand, sides being chosen, as a man who's part black, with black family and who will one day have black children in this country. I can't side with the man that refused. They asked him a point blank question. It wasn't like he was supposed to weave it into like, you know, his own statements. Like he was asked point blank, will you condemn white supremacy and, and, and tell them to, you know, fuck off essentially. He said, stand back and stand by proud boys. And for somebody also that may be listening or watching, thinking, oh, this podcaster's all talk. He likes to run his fucking mouth. I made a living beating up racists and rednecks back in Oklahoma. Ask about me. Ask about me and my squad, what we used to do 
and to racist. We used to whoop that fucking ass at parties. You don't think we got called niggers going to bonfires in, in, in rural Oklahoma? And we whooped them asses. The same type of dudes that's them proud boys and that's these militias and all that. We used to put them motherfucking hands on them. So before you thinking, oh, he's all talk, fucking lefty, fucking purple-haired. No, that ain't me, dog. That may be what you want to categorize all the people that disagree with you as, but that ain't me, and that ain't mine. And, like, that ain't what a lot of people are. A lot of people... And I'll say that for both sides. A lot of everybody on the left thinks everybody on the right some slight-jawed hillbilly. And everybody on the right think everybody on the left is, is, you know, you know, has purple hair and likes to suck dick under the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, it's, it's not that black and white. Like, what I hate is how much we've gotten away from nuance. Um, I love nuance. I love nuance topics. I love nuanced people. I love well-rounded people. I like to think of myself as a well-rounded person. I don't like to be put into a box. I don't like to be labeled as this or labeled as that. And that's all anything is anymore. Um, like I, and, and I'm not just one of these people that's only in a liberal echo chamber. Like I... I have friends, you know, I grew up playing football. I, I know a lot of, you know, good people that, that, that lean right. I really do. Like, I'm not here to call all people on the right dumb, uneducated, um, immoral. I'm not here to, to say that. I think there's enough people saying that. And I think that, that doesn't do anybody any good. But what, what I am saying is that if you... If you are making excuses and rationalizing and applying hindsight 2020 to what came out of Donald Trump's mouth last night when he said, stand back and stand by. If you're lying to yourself and lying to others, if that's anything other than a, a call to arms, uh, you are part of the problem. I'm not calling you a racist, but you're part of the problem. All those people that in Nazi Germany that, you know, they didn't kill anybody. They didn't gas anybody. But maybe that, you know, they told they told the Nazis that their, you know, Jewish neighbor had somebody hiding or that their neighbors were Jewish or you know what I'm saying? They, they were complicit. They were complicit. One of one of my favorite movies ever um, is a movie called Boondock Saints. Um a lot of the, um, you might recognize the main actor from Walking Dead. He's Daryl from Walking Dead's in that movie back when he was younger. It was made like the early 2000s. But the movie Boondock Saints. And um, there's this line in this movie, and, and the priest is talking. You know, Irish Catholics, they're in a Catholic sermon, and, and the, the priest is talking. He's like, there's a new evil that we must beware of. And that is not evil itself but the indifference of good men. And I love that fucking sentence. I probably butchered it, but that's the, that's the general gist of it, that sometimes the most evil person isn't the one doing this shit. Sometimes the one, the people doing this shit are just misinformed or ignorant or, or manipulated or desperate. But if it, but if you're but the people that are just complicit, like they know what's up, but they're just like, eh, 
that ain't really my battle. Like that ain't really, you know, what I'm what I'm trying to get involved with. Like that ain't really what I'm trying to speak out against. That ain't, you know, I'm just I'm gonna sit this one out. That's called being complicit. And, and and you are part of the problem. I'm not gonna label you anything yet. But that's part of the problem, man. And you need to look yourself in the fucking mirror and quit lying to yourself, like for real. I, I, man, you know how many people I've looked up to and then that they fuck up and I've had to like check myself as a fan of them? A lot. A lot. Like I had this joke saying that like for a while that like all my favorite people were getting canceled. Like, and, but some, and some of it's bullshit and some of it's cancel culture horseshit. But sometimes. You got to like check a like you you see a person that you look up to for what they really are. And and if you don't see what that was when he said stand by to the proud boys directly, then then you know what's up. Then 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 you acting like you don't, that's willful ignorance. And I, I think willful ignorance is, is is the same or worse as being complicit. It, they often accompany each other. Um Uh, but yeah, so Breonna Taylor, um, we all know her name at this point. There's been, you know, 9 million t-shirts made, you know, 30,000 commercials, fucking, you know, say her name on the back of NBA jerseys, um, and still, and still, no, I'm not talking about a UFC champion, and still, even with all that, her killers, her murderers, state-sanctioned murderers, walk free. All but one of them. Um, all but one of them, uh, and they were. She was sleeping in her own home. That the police did not have a warrant. We all know the story at this point. The police were a hundred percent in the wrong. And I just wish that they would get held to the same standards we do. For example, if I'm driving, I have a, a car full of people, I'm driving. I don't know nothing. If, I don't know anybody in my car has a gun. I, I, we're not on our way to like go murder somebody. But somebody in my back seat just rolls down his window and shoots somebody. I'm getting charged with murder or at least accessory because I'm there. I'm part of it. I, I'm doing something. Or another law is that like, say I'm robbing somebody and I accidentally kill them and I didn't mean to, then I still get charged with murder because they died while a crime was being committed. And so what I'm saying is the police went to the wrong house and kicked down the wrong door. Which means they were in the wrong. And while they were in the wrong, this innocent lady died. How is that not murder? If, even if, even if I say me, me and some homeboys are driving over and we're going to kick a guy's ass. No, nobody brings a gun, but our full intention is to get in fights and engage in violence. And somebody dies, the guys that we're fighting die, we're getting charged with murder. 
even if we didn't want to murder them or it was an accident because we were committing a crime, assault and battery, while the death happened. If a death occurs while something bad's happening, that makes it murder, even if it, like, you didn't set out to explicitly murder them. Like, that's how this works. That's how the legal system works for us, but not for them. They were in the wrong. Like, I honestly may feel differently if the, if the warrant was in Breonna Taylor's name and for that address and all of that, and she was guilty. I'm not saying she would deserve to die, but I, but I would maybe perhaps chalk it up as like, you know, you know, policing's hard, shit gets dicey, bullets were flying, and, and bad shit happened. But they were in the wrong. They were in the wrong place. So if you're in the wrong place and somebody dies, that's murder. If, you, if you're doing something you ain't supposed to do and somebody dies, that's the definition of murder. So do I think the officer should have been charged with murder? Yes. Do I think they should have been charged with first degree murder? No. Second degree murder, maybe even some type of like harsh manslaughter charge, but but just nothing. Property? One one guy got charged with a property crime for shooting into the neighbor's wall. That's a slap in the face. That's super out of line. That's but you know what else it is? One other way to describe it is just very on brand, very expected, very Steady as she goes, very run of the mill. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, just how like LeBron said, "Oh, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. I wasn't shocked at all. Like not even a little bit. Um, I expected it. Like I, it, it was par for the course. Um, po police officers can murder black people, and I'm sure there's some asshole in the comments. Some, oh, they murder white people too. Yeah, they get away with that too. Like that's part of the problem, not part of the answer to the problem. You fucks." They kill white people too? Yeah, so be mad with us. That, yeah, they need to stop that shit too. But, 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 I, I, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, motive, when, in any murder, whenever somebody, whenever one person kills another, badge, no badge, black, white, um, just any murder, like, uh, any murder, just, uh, well, the main, the like literally the main whole crux of the whole investigation is the motive. So the motive of why these officers seem to think just that play such a small value on black life and seem to just be willing to take it for no reason and just be so trigger happy, quick to quick to pull it. Um, it does to me the why matters. If some piece of shit white tweaker that's been in and out of jail for 30 years, you know, gets killed by the cops, like, to me, that's not the same as Tamir Rice or Oscar Grant or, or I mean, the list, like, there's literally guys that have wore suits with the list on it and the no name is repeated. I want to say it was Jadavion Clowney. I could be wrong. Or DeAndre Hopkins, one of them. They wore a suit, like a, a tailored suit, and the, and the names weren't even written in big font. The names were in small font. It had all, like, these... All the names, and I don't want to say, like, all the pub publicly executed young people of color, unarmed, that were killed by police. And so the, the list of names is too long to list, so I'm not going to list all of them, but y'all, we all know the names. We all know the names, or at least you better fucking know the names, and you better remember
But to me, whenever people throw out the statistic, oh, well, white people get killed by the police too. A, like numbers-wise, there's way more white people, so like they should essentially be getting, you know, some white people are going to get killed by the police too. And all, but like I said, to me, it's, it's, it's the why. And, you know, are they armed? What's the situation? It seems to me a lot of innocent and a lot of unarmed black people seem to be getting killed by white people. Um, so I think I, I hate when people just are quick to throw that little statistic or that little Facebook comment of, oh, more white people get killed by cops than black people. Like, like, dog, you never went to, you never, you didn't pay attention in fractions class or percentages class, like in math, basic elementary, you don't know what proportions and ratios and fractions are, dog, like you don't understand that on paper, black people are 14% of the population and, and I think white is like over 70, like y'all, you don't understand, you do, see, that's what I'm saying, that's why people get so mad and, and I'll get mad when people say dumb shit like that. And they'll be like, God, all I did was throw a statistic and, and he blew up. He's like, that aggressive liberal. Like, no, dog. Like, you know exactly what the fuck you doing. You know that's a fake-ass stat. Like, you know what ratios are. You know what percentages are. You know black people make up a smaller percentage of the population and are getting killed at a higher rate. That's willful ignorance. That's being complicit and it's fucking wrong, man. Fucking horseshit. It's fucking out of line. And, and just the plain dumb and I didn't know no better. And oh, why are all these black folks so mad? Why are all these liberals calling me racist? Because, man, you're being complicit to a system that's fucking killing people. And you're being part of the problem, not part of the solution. You're on the wrong side of history. Nobody looks back and says like, oh, why, you know, why were the Haitian slaves so mean to the people they revolted against? Why, why, why were the Americans so mean to the Redcoats? And, you know, like, cause there's a right side and a wrong side. And you, you know what I'm saying? If you find this, like, you ain't supposed to be nice to the, to the people oppressing you. You ain't supposed to be nice to the opposition. You ain't supposed to be, you know, like, like that shit, there's a reason. It ain't just random. It ain't just, oh, they're emotional and, and oh, they're, you know, they're all hyped up and, oh, like, no, it, the snowflakes just get offended over everything. Like, no, you're being wrong. Like, quit blaming everybody else. Like, we, we've all known that person that or like that whether it be it's also say a dude so everybody doesn't say i'm sexist and we've all had that friend that you know every girl's the problem like, oh that bitch is crazy oh she's whack like dog every bitch isn't crazy and whack every female's not crazy and whack like you're probably crazy and whack like or same goes with girls oh every guy like, oh guys are losers oh this guy ain't shit like or 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 you probably ain't shit either if you keep fucking with them same type of people and to me, it's it's the same thing. Like you can't, if you, what I'm getting at here is the person that blames everybody else and says, woe is me, is usually in the wrong. Usually. Like straight up.
A next question that, you know, is kind of in this ballpark, in this vein, kind of, you know, relevant to this, this what I'm talking about here is police reform. Um, hot, hot buzzword here in the political season. Um, you're going to hear the word police reform. You already have heard the word police reform a million times. Tricky word, though. Tricky phrase, um, police reform. It's one of those things that means something different to different people and can be um, manipulated in the conversation as such. Um, and everybody can say something about police reform that, um, you know, means something different. Um, what my just personal, like if Dominic was, was emperor for a day, like what, what would my police reform look like? Um, I said, I'm kind of a down-the-middle guy. I would honestly, and I think this is the best way to approach a lot of the, you know, find solutions, like honestly, is take some suggestions from both sides and combine them. And that's how these things should be, you know, that's how adults handle problems, man. Um, so, so you know, on, on the right, the right, they want, the right wants, you know, more police funding and, and more law and order. Okay. I don't think that statement in and of itself is problematic. There's some people on the far left that, that do, and I'm, I'm not one of those people. Um, and then there's the people that are on the left that want to defund a hot buzzword that also is super annoying and can be used in any number of ways. But, um, you know, a lot of people on the left want to defund the police. And, and, and I think a better word would be demilitarize the police. Um, and... But I do think they need more funding. Like, that's what I'm saying. I think we should combine those ideas. Like, I think, I think that police officers need a lot more training, both like combat training and also like de-escalation training and also um, like racial sensitivity training and also um, physical fitness training. I think a huge, huge, huge problem with a lot of cops is that they're so either so fat or so weak that they know damn well they're not about to win a fair one with whatever person they're encountering. So that's why they're quick to the trigger. I think I think um, cops should receive martial arts training. Um, Jocko Willick, who goes on Rogan's podcast a lot, he's a respected Navy SEAL, um, and he, he probably leans quite a bit more right than I do, and I don't agree with everything that he says, but I... He is a respected man and a respectable man, and, and I, uh, I don't think he's a dumb man, and I don't think he's a bad man, and I think he has some good ideas. And um, he says that, like, in the Navy SEALs, I think you spend, I forget if it's 20 or 40% of your time training. Um, and, like, there's this rotation between, like, you're training, you're deploying, you're recovering, and it's like a cycle. And that's what our military does. Because, why do they do that? Do you think they do that just for fun? You don't think they'd rather have all Navy SEALs in the field at all times? No, they do that because it's effective and it makes them good at their jobs. Um, and police officers go through six months of training, a few, you know, ride-alongs, you know, with a more expensive, experienced cop who's probably teaching them bad habits usually in that part of the training whenever the eyes are off them, you know what I'm saying? And, and then I don't know, they, they probably do a little bit of training, you know, once every couple of years or whatever after that. Um, 
you know, I, I'm gonna have a, I'm eventually gonna have a police officer on the podcast. So, you know, anybody that's like saying like, oh, he's anti-cop. Like, no, I have friends that are cops. Um, I'm gonna have some on the podcast eventually. Um, that just, you know, not not today's episode. So I'm not anti-cop. I said I, I believe these officers. I need. To, I believe there needs to be more vetting. Um. I like, like, as far as like really watching their social media accounts, like, what are these people about? Um, maybe like, like more psychological evaluations, like just, just more high, stricter vetting, um, higher levels of physical fitness. Like, I think I'm sorry, there shouldn't be obese cops. Oh, he's a, he's being ableist again. Fuck off, dog. You shouldn't be able to like. You, you can be fat and work behind a desk or <clears throat> work on a computer or work on a phone or. Be a teacher or whatever the fuck, but you don't need to be a cop. You're physically unable to perform. Like the um, the PUP list in football, physically unable to perform. If you're a fat fuck, you're physically unable to perform your duties as a cop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of barbers and shit like that get more training than, than cops. So I believe they actually need more funding, more training... Um, more vetting and, and check this out people that think I may be anti-cop I think they need higher salaries I think they need to be paid more so you attract a higher caliber of individual um, and, and you're justified in your stricter vetting process because that's the thing man like, like I'm, I'm from Oklahoma cops in Oklahoma I think you start off in the 20s as far as like 20 something thousand a year that ain't shit um, I mean it goes further because Oklahoma's cheap but still it's not a lot of money and so if you're not going to get goddamn, you know, Harvard grads and goddamn, you know, geniuses to go be cops in this place like Oklahoma if you're paying them 27 grand a year before taxes. Same goes for teachers in Oklahoma. By the way, Oklahoma has a lot of problems. But uh, I think cops should be making, you know, 80, 100 grand a year, 75 grand a year. Depending on how expensive of a place. And hell, in a place like San Jose or San Francisco, they should probably be making $150,000, $200,000 a year. Straight up, because of the cost of living. Like, a lot of cops and everybody, that's another thing. Everybody wants to say, make this, um, throw out this concept of cops should live in the communities that they police. Essentially impossible in a place like San Francisco or a place like um, New York or a place like... Um, like a lot of these big cities where, where a lot of the high crime rates are and things of that nature, the, the cops don't even get paid enough to live in the cities that they're policing. So like this whole live where you police thing, I mean, pay them enough to where that's even an option. Um, and just this toxic culture that exists within police departments, um, just... The, the locker room bro culture just needs to go. It needs to be a more dignified. Like, you know, have you ever watched um, any of those, like, backwoods law shows where it's not, it's like cops, but they're like, um, they're the game wardens instead of, like, normal cops? Those game wardens carry themselves with so much respect and dignity and take their craft so seriously and talk to people so differently than, like, city street cops do. It's insane. Like, I think cops, is, they need to, like, carry themselves more dignified. Like, like just more, more pride. Um, 
but not like the, the, the you know the damaging toxic kind of pride like but just like like the humble kind of pride like like the mar- that the type of pride that would come with like martial arts training and being more confident in your abilities and being physically fit and you're confident and you're feeling yourself and you're fucking you know having good sex with your old lady at home when you get off work and you're fucking you're on your shit and you're feeling good you're less likely to to, to and your in your bank accounts full you're less likely to be a goddamn asshole you know what I'm saying? And I know it's a hard job, but that's what I'm saying. We need to, like, get them better training, higher pay, get higher caliber of recruits. Just raise the bar across the board. I don't think we need less policing. I think we need better policing. And we need our police to be held to higher standards and to be more transparent and just to be better equipped for the job that they're doing. Like, seriously, going to the gun range a few times and reading a couple chapters of a book does not prepare you to be a a police officer and deal with mentally ill people and addicted people and and poor people and people who look nothing like you. You know what I mean? And people that talk differently than you and have different values than you and grew up differently than you. You You don't learn that at a gun range. You, you you know what I'm saying? You learn that through working with people, through fucking doing hours of jujitsu with a black guy or Hispanic guy and, and learning, you know what I'm saying, that you guys got more in common than you do difference. And I just, so so that's what my police reform looks like. The, 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 these people that want no police or, or um, you know, and, and I want to decriminalize drugs. Because I think if you decriminalize drugs, then like a lot of these interactions, you know, don't even have the opportunity to take place. Like how, how many of these, you know, people that have gotten killed, it all started because the cop said he smelled like weed or something. You know what I'm saying? So uh, decriminalizing drugs, it, it um, you know, that's a whole probably a whole nother podcast. But, you know, it, it, it takes the power out of the gangs. And out of these drug cartels, and um, it creates legitimate jobs, which raises people out of poverty, which eliminates the need for them to be in gangs and sell drugs illegally and things like that. And it lowers the crime rate because a lot of these crimes are just, you know, people trying to get at how they live, you know, trying to, you know, figure it out, make ends meet with no resources. Um, so, so that's that's what my vision of police reform looks like. Just better. Just better. Better. And I don't think that, like, towns of less than a quarter million of people need tanks and armored personnel carriers. I just don't. Like, I'm from Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma does not need tanks and armored personnel carriers. None of that. Spend that money on the kids, on the schools, on, on, on education, you know, on the roads, especially out there in Oklahoma. You know, that's that's misappropriation of, of, of taxpayer dollars, in, in my opinion. So I think we need to demilitarize the police, not defund. I think we need to just raise the standard. Raise the standard across the board. Raise the rate of pay. Get better caliber recruits. Get them better caliber training. but Better training, both quantity and quality. Get them more training. Um... Raise the physical fitness standards. Raise the bar. 
be raise the hold yourself to a higher standard because the thing is when when you make shit harder like you weed you weed out the the and I'm not saying it's impossible but most people that like are able to make it through like a long grueling process and and um and and, and it, it weeds out a lot of the fuckery like a lot of those people that are like the bad apples those are the same people that like easy shit and like don't like to challenge themselves and don't like to look themselves in the mirror and like if we just made the training just harder and, and, and just the vetting part process stricter, it just, it filters out. The cream rises to the top, just like they do with the Navy SEALs. Like the cream rises to the top because the training's so intense and so hard and, and their standards are so high and they expect perfection and you don't get a fuck up because you're a Navy SEAL. Like, like the, the, the whole notion that, like, oh, well, he's a cop, and sometimes cops fuck up. Like, like we don't hold our Navy SEALs to that standard. We don't hold our, like, you know, brain surgeons to that standard. Like, oh, sometimes the brain surgeon fucks up. Like, no, like, you don't want them to fuck up with you. So we hold them to a high standard that they can't fuck up. So just raise that bar. Raise the standard, the expectation, the training, the caliber of recruits, the pay. Um, just, just, just raise the entire bar across the board. I feel like I've heard everybody kind of make those suggestions in isolation, but we need all of it because one of those things, none of those single things will fix it. It's the whole rising tide of the whole, you know, the rising, what did I say? Rising tide in the harbor rises all ships or whatever. That, that's what needs to happen. Because if you only focus on like one part of it, then this part over here is going to get worse. If you focus over here, then this will get worse. You just need to raise it all across the board in one sweeping motion. Um, that's my opinion. But um, we're not done here. I'm going to take a, a brief pause and I'll be back for the second hour of Dreadful Talk episode 17. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in live. Thanks everybody watching on YouTube or listening on an audio platform. I was talking race relations, just where we're at in this country, just 2020 between the, you know, stand back and stand by comments from last night's debate um, to the Breonna Taylor, unfortunately, predictable verdict and just everything else, man. We all know like there's we all know the the examples and uh, what's been going on in this country for a lot longer than even my lifetime, but you know, I, I'm more talking about you know recent events than you know, you know things that have happened throughout history. You know, I um, <clears throat> like I said, I, I I've had a lot of fun episodes on this podcast. Sometimes I keep it light. Sometimes I talk about you know frivolous things. Um, but I just had this on my heart. I wanted to talk about it with y'all. Um. You know, one of the main, like a big factor in me making this podcast was like me wanting to have a platform and have a voice and, and a way for people to hear opinions other than just the polarized, generic, same old shit that we um, get force fed, you know, 24 seven through our devices. And um, so, so, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, this podcast is going to take a turn for only being serious, but like I said, I... I wanted to, you know, take a moment to, you know, address some of the things going on in this country. It was heavy on my heart, heavy on my mind. 
Um, you know, you can't always just, as I didn't want to be an ostrich sticking my head in the sand and, you know, talking about jerking off in lollipops while serious, you know, shit was going on that affects, you know, you know, both people that look like me and people that don't. Um, so I think it's important to talk about y'all and, um, you know, hopefully it's been a good listen, you know, hopefully, you know, somebody that found it uncomfortable, you know, stuck it out and, and is still listening and, and, you know, has maybe learned a thing or two or seen a different perspective or, or seen the light or, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to, you know, change anybody's mind over the course of one podcast, but if I can just like maybe present one point of view or maybe, you know, <clears throat> show you that not all, you know, people that look a certain way think a certain way or, you know, if, if I can connect any bridge, like if I can, you know, I'm not trying to blow a hole through a mountain, but if I can just move that one rock that starts the rock slide to enlightenment, I would fucking, that would make my whole podcast worth it, to be honest, if that happened for one person. Um, so yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. Um, not as, you know, lighthearted as, as most episodes are, but it, 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 life, ain't, life can't always be that, you know what I'm saying? You got to... You got to take the good, the bad, and the ugly. You got to take the good with the bad. Ain't no sunshine without the rain. So on that note, we'll keep it pushing. Um, Cheers to anybody um, that's drinking while viewing or listening. Um, Having myself a little Corona here. Um, No pun intended. I have always liked Mexican beer. Uh, All right. Let's get this rolling. So finish up the last little segment talking about, you know, like what I, my vision of police reform looks like. And um, this next part I want to touch on is um, going to be a little controversial. Um, I have a feeling people may not agree with my takes on this, but that's okay. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm not, I, I said, I, I'm not one of those people that tries to tell you that I have all the answers or that you have to agree with me or that, you know, I, I'm the all-knowing, you know, guru, and I, I, I can, you know, fix the world's problems. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I like, I like to talk through things, talk through ideas. Sometimes I talk through an idea, and I figure out by saying it that it's a stupid-ass idea, and I change my mind. So, like, I, like I said, I'm not sitting here trying to say what I say is gospel, but I'm just going to kind of give you my perspective and, and how I've interpreted some things I've, I've seen and, um, my, my, where I'm at right now, where I'm at with all this shit. Um, so something that I've been kicking back and forth in my head ever since George Floyd died, honestly, is, um, do protests accomplish anything? Do peaceful protests accomplish anything? It's kind of a two-parted question, you know, does, does peaceful protesting accomplish anything? And, you know, it does, you know, ramping it up a notch to rioting and all that, does that accomplish anything? Um, I think... I'm not a big... I'm not a big fan of protesting. Not because I think it's bad or you shouldn't do it. I just question how effective it is. I question, you know what change is truly, truly affected by, by taking to the streets and, you know, quote unquote, letting your voice heard. I think it's a great thing. I think that it's awesome that people have been doing it. And I think that it's, um, I, for the record, I haven't been to a single, a single protest since all this popped off. I almost have, 
I've been really kicking it back and forth. Um, and what it really boils down to why I haven't been to a protest, and I mean, this may sound selfish, but like, A, I'm not going down there without my wife. And B, I don't want to put my wife in harm's way. Say what you will, those protesters are, I mean, those protests, not protesters, the protests themselves are dangerous. Whoever the blame gets placed on as to who starts it first, you know, say what you can blame whoever. Somebody's got to start that shit off. But you know what I'm saying? Like, my wife is asthmatic. They start shooting tear gas. Like, I could never forgive myself if something happened. She gets hit in the head with a rubber bullet. I had a homie in L.A. get shot in the leg with a rubber bullet. I mean, he was fine. But you know what I'm saying? If that hits my wife in the chest or something, and I... I, and then if the police kill my wife, then I, I'm going full-blown, like, GTA, like, straight up. So, like, I, I I try to get ahead in life by not putting myself in a position to lose. And I feel like if I go to a protest, it's, it's a lose-lose. Like, I just, I don't know. Because like I said, I question the effectiveness. I, I, I think there's a place for it, and I think that it needed to be done. But just like, you know, here we are, like, you know, weeks after the George Floyd protest is whenever Breonna Taylor got killed. Like, I haven't seen it stop nothing. Like, there's been other protests. Like, there was protests, like, you know what I'm saying? This ain't the first time we've seen this movie. This ain't our first rodeo. Um, and everybody wants to be like, oh, bro, the fucking Boston Tea Party was a protest. Like, all right, dog, it was, but you know what I'm saying? It ain't 1760 and it ain't. Ain't no tea to dump in the bay. You know what I'm saying? This shit is different. And then, you know what I'm saying? There wasn't rubber bullets and tanks and shit back then. Um, it's just different. I hate that comparison. I've had that said to me a lot of times. But, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anti-protest, not anti-protester. And I think most people are kind of the opposite. I think a lot of people have been like, Oh, these protesters. No, I love the protesters. I think that the protesters have all the goodwill and like they want to change the world and they want to impact. And I think that they're there for the right reasons. I don't think that they're there to cause trouble. I don't think that they're there to, you know, stir shit up and riot. I, I really don't. I think that they're good people who see a problem and they're grasping at straws for solutions. And I think that's what it is. It comes across to me as grasping at straws. Like, that's not the solution. Like, if that was the solution, it would have been fixed by now because people have been protesting since Selma and probably before that. So, and I'm not even being, like, I'm not trolling here. Like, I really, like, it's a, it's a controversial take. Like, I know people love protesting. And, and I, lo I think it's totally, I love that our founding fathers, you know, gave us the right to protest. Like, I'm glad that it's a thing that exists. So I said I'm not anti-protest per se, but I just I question the effectiveness. And you'll hear me say that over and over. I question the effectiveness. Now, like I said at the start of this, that's not me sitting here telling you that it's not effective. I just, through my lens, have yet to like re see the, the protesters reap the fruit of that work, of that effort, of that risk, of like you putting your body on the front lines, like like, what came of that? Like, well, you know, it got some news coverage for a second, but then also the news coverage turned and, and called you a bunch of, you know, crazed rioters. Um, 
and trying to turn the public against you. So, like, if your goal is to get media coverage and then you get bad media coverage, like, to me, then that's like a net zero, like, you don't come out ahead on that. You know what I'm saying? That's like two steps forward, two steps back. Um, maybe three steps back. Like, um, and then I have a friend, I'm not going to say her name, but a good friend of ours, me and my wife's that, like, she goes to every single protest, like, here in the Bay Area, and I love her. She's awesome. And um, I may have her on the podcast to talk about it one of these days. But um, but she's just, like, told me stories, like, especially, like, you're, like I said, my position is I'm questioning the effectiveness of the protest. So, like, I ask her a lot of questions when we hang out. I'm like, you know, like, what, uh, you know, like, what goes down at these protests? What's it like? And, like... And she probably just told me this story to like because I told her my like scared scenarios that I mentioned earlier about Nina getting hurt or something like that. And so I think she was probably just telling me this so like so I wouldn't be worried and like kind of tell me show me the lighter side of the protest. But it kind of just turned me off even more because she was like, yeah, like this one protest, like they, we just stood outside of a patio restaurant and like did the Cupid shuffle and like distracted the the patrons and let them know that even though it was uncomfortable and awkward for them, that's how it's like being a black person. Now, do I get that like general principle concept on paper? Of course I do. It's a pretty straightforward concept. I'm not dumb. Like I, I understand what you're aiming for there, but do I think like doing the Cupid shuffle in front of a restaurant to annoy some like privileged white people? Like do, do I think that like any of them, you know, step away from their their salmon and and whatever the fuck quinoa did they, they step away from their salmon and quinoa thinking like oh i now believe in systemic racism and white privilege like no they walk away from it thinking that you're a bunch of annoying little whiny fucks which is what they already think of you and that's why the protesters and then this movement has got painted in such a bad light. It, and it's it's hilarious because they try to paint it with two strokes. On one hand, they'll say, oh, these protesters are a bunch of purple-haired, softy leftists that are just LARPing and, and playing make-believe. And, and then on the other hand, they'll talk out the other side of their neck and be like, these are violent Antifa terrorists taking over the streets and terrorizing and they're a... Uh, a very organized, tiered terrorist organization. Like, like which one is it? Are, are, are they purple-haired fucking pussies? Or are they serious terrorists? Because I, I keep hearing both. The real answer is that they're neither. They're just folks. They're just folks. They're just people, largely young people, that want to cause change and they want to... Like, I don't question their intentions whatsoever. I'm actually like very confident in their intentions. Like I know where they're coming from and I love where they're coming from. I think they're coming from where they need to come from and they're coming from the right place. And I, I think their heart's in the right place. I just, I, I, I just, I, I question the effectiveness. I know I'm beating that dead horse. I question the effectiveness. I think that if protest could solve black folks problems, then the problems would be solved because our grandparents and great-grandparents were protesting. Now, now, all right, so if protesting doesn't work, what's the alternative, smartass? I don't know if I have that answer. And so maybe all that was, was pointless to say, but I just, like, I, I, and it, I've been kind of wrestling with that guilt. As I, I mean, I consider myself a black man. Society considers myself a black man. I mean, I'm pretty light-skinned and I'm mixed, but, I mean, 
trust me, take it from me as a man who's walked in my shoes. Society views me as a black man. And so, like, I've been kind of wrestling with that guilt of, like, you know, am I whack for not protesting? Like, am I on some coon shit? Like, am I, am I being too selfish? Like, do I need to sacrifice, like, what I hold important for, like, the greater good of the cause? Like, it's not like I've never, like, contemplated those things. I just, I still reach the same conclusion that none of that matters more to me than my wife's safety. And I think that's the value you make when you get married is just prioritizing your wife and your family over, you know, the everything else, really, essentially. Even other really important shit. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think this is not important and I don't think that the protesters are bad people or and I, and I honestly I, I, I like driving past them and shit like I like seeing people out there like fighting the good fight in air quotes and like you know just like I don't question the intentions I love that like seeing just the general public want good and want change but like old saying my grandpa used to say me actually not even my grandpa my old football coaches back in Oklahoma they'd be like you know you know, they'd say wish, but for this example, we'll say want. You know, want in one hand and shit in the other hand and tell me which hand fills up first. The, the, you know, the moral of the story being that wanting and wishing is, you know, physically, tangibly nothing. And if you shit in your hand, you're going to have a handful of shit. Teaching you two lessons in one there, kids. Uh, but, so yeah, you know, wish in one hand and shit in the other and tell me which one fills up first. Like, these protests just seem like a lot of wishing and wanting to me and talking and just like, like I was also raised kind of, you know, believe like, you know, the loudest in the room is usually the weakest. Now, that's kind of ironic because I'm very often the loudest in the room and very seldom the weakest. But I, I, in general, the, the general meaning behind what that saying is trying to teach us, I, I do actually believe a lot in. And like, so like, if you're saying that, like, okay, the point of protesting is to go have our voice heard and be loud. Once, like, the whole, like, the loudest in the room is usually the weakest. Like, like, like the people that's, the, the, what I'm saying is protesting to me seems like behavior of the losing side. Like, it seems to me that, like, in order to win, you have to do what the winners did when they won. And that's a slippery, dangerous argument to have. But if you really want change and you really want to win, I, I don't see how... Like, you don't see the oppressors protesting, really, which I guess now you do with, like, these, you know, Trump protests or whatever, with the mask protests or whatever. But you're kind of starting to see it. But historically, like, you know, the president... Like, like the, the oppressors don't protest. Like, the, the, the people that's... When you're protesting, you're fighting against a system. And so that system means that there's people controlling that system. And it's been obviously working well for those people and just not well for the people that are upset, whether, you know, it be race or, or you know, workers protest or whatever. But uh, so what I'm saying is to me, you got to like think like a winner. And I, I come from a sports background, so it's like if you lose in every year running the triple option, and every year the team that runs that wins the conference is running a spread option offense. I mean, how many years do you gotta come in last running the triple option before you start running the spread? 
And I know there's some non-sports people that's woo, like over your head, like like that didn't help clear it up at all. But I know for a few listeners, you know, that are sports fans, maybe former football players, that'll clear it up. That's a good analogy. Like uh, sometimes my brain works in sports analogies. Um, so it's just like to me, protesting in that analogy is the triple option. Like we keep trying it. Or fullback dives up the middle, like it just ain't going nowhere. It ain't like, you know what I'm saying? Like if if fullback dive was the best play in the playbook, then fullbacks would get paid a half a billion dollars and not Patrick Mahomes. And I just think like protesting and saying like, oh, okay, I'm going to go get me a quarterback that can sling the rock. It's like, this time I'm going to get an even bigger fullback. And, run, and, and design an even better fullback dive this time. And it's like, dog, that fullback dive ain't going no fucking way. Strange analogy, I know. Strange analogy. But to me, it sums it up just in a nutshell. Like, I love the spirit of the protest. Like, and, it, and I'm a big in theory versus in practice guy. It's like, in theory, I fucking love protest. In practice, it seems to me... To be spinning your wheels in the mud. To me, maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm not here to like, you know, be the all-knowing. You know, I'm not Oz here, but I'm, I'm just saying that's what it strikes me as. Like that's my interpretation, looking through my eyes. Uh, that's so I love all my brothers and sisters up there protesting. I love all the amount of white people that have been at these protests. And I think I said I think it's coming from a really good place, and I think it's a good sign. But just, I question the effectiveness of just, like, causing, like, tangible, I can touch it and experience it change. Um, like, I mean, the prime example is, like, in Louisville, all those protesters, they even made a law called the Breonna Taylor Law, where no more no-knock warrant search warrants. And yet, they still didn't convict the people. So that law didn't exist yet. So I guess that's their argument that they didn't break the law yet, but it's fixed in the future. But you're admitting that it's wrong, which is why you wrote the law. It's a shit show. So like, that's what I'm saying. I think I think protests or, 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 you know, you get symbolic. You get symbolic little victories like Black Lives Matter painted on the baseball mound or in the end zone. Or like, like, is that cool? Do I like seeing that on TV? Do I, does that make me think that's maybe some type of baby step in the right direction? Maybe. But do I think that like makes black like gets black people any cl- any closer to like equity or does like puts a dent in like systemic racism or like you know does anything to combat like corrupt policing? No, that's like the most hollow gesture ever. So like 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 to me the whole thing seems hollow. Like the protests don't seem to me like really wanting much besides to just cause a stink, kind of just get your voice heard. And then, and then, and then the little concessions like the you know Black Lives Matter on a basketball court, or you know, I mean, hell, the president still won't say Black Lives Matter. So what fucking difference does it make? You know what they playing football on? What's underneath the picture? Like, like maybe I'm just pessimistic, but to me, I see through that shit. To me, that's the definition of like tossing a dog a bone because you don't want to give him no steak. That's what that is to me. Like, one thing I've been blessed with is a good-ass bullshit meter. Like, if you're trying to lie to me, good luck. 
And I used to be like real gullible, so maybe I learned, I earned that bullshit meter the hard way, just fucking taking too much shit hook, line, and sinker. But at this point in my life, I got a real good bullshit meter, man. And when people start, I don't know, it's been going off a lot lately. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way. Um, this will be an interesting one. Do I believe either presidential candidate is good for black people? So remember, that's the prism I'm saying. It's good for black people. Not good for America. Not good for everybody. I'm specifically talking about black people here. Just caveat. I think the answer is no. Some people may say, how could you say no after you came at Trump so hard earlier in the podcast? And his stand back and stand by shit was appalling. It was atrocious. It was racist and it was out of line. Tell you a little something about Biden and Kamala Harris. The whole war on drugs thing, the whole mass incarceration thing, the whole, um, like a, a lot of the actual systemic part of the word systemic racism exists because of Joe Biden. In 1994, coincidentally the year I was born, so thanks a lot, Biden. But uh, he wrote a crime bill, and it was, I think it was him and Clinton and all, a lot of Democrats, actually. That's why I don't fully lean fully into that Democrat shit, because it's kind of like wolves in sheep's clothing to me. They'll tell you all the nice fluffy shit, but then still do the same crooked shit that you don't like the other people doing. But so so Joe Biden, for those that don't know, that just seen pictures of him shooting hoops with Obama and, and, and think that he's some woke ass white dude like 94, the year I was born, he, he was a major player in authoring a big crime bill. That is hugely responsible for a lot of the mass incarceration problems that we have today who largely affect people of color. Like I said, the systemic part of the systemic racism. Joe Biden had a fuck ton to do with that. Kamala Harris. She was a crooked ass prosecutor who has was caught. She has hit evidence. She has... She has persecuted people she know didn't do the crime just for her win-loss record. Like, prosecutors have a win-loss record, like fighters, like teams and sports. Like, they have a win-loss record. Like, and it's very, it's everything to them. It's everything to them. It's probably the reason why she's even a vi- qualified for vice president. Like, your win-loss record as a, as a, um, as a prosecutor, a district attorney, is like everything. You want to win. It, it, that doesn't mean, and so you understand what I'm saying there. That doesn't mean you want justice. That doesn't mean you want fairness. That means you want to win. Those are two different things. So if somebody's falsely accused or innocent, it doesn't matter to you. You want to win. If that person walks, that's an L on your win-loss record for Kamala Harris. So she, she she's responsible for many innocent people of color being in jail. Or even if they're not innocent, a lot of people getting harsh-ass sentences, probably maybe harsher than they deserve, because that makes her look like a no-nonsense, you know, prosecutor. And she gets, and so it's, she's, she's not an ally either. Like, what do you mean? She wore Timberlands. Yeah. Fucking jerk off in those Timberlands and go burn them because 
that doesn't fucking matter to me at all. And, and like, uh, I know she's a woman of color, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, or do I believe either presidential candidate is good for black people? No. Do I believe there's a lesser of two evils? Yes, I do. Yes, I believe even with his sketchy past and bills that he's been a part of, I still believe that Biden is probably the lesser of two evils. Probably. 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 I don't say that with that much confidence. I think he's pretty sketchy. Don't think he has that much of black people's best interest in mind. He's done quite a bit to, to, to harm the black community. Um, so, I think he's the lesser of two evils. I really do. Um, but, do I think he's good for black people? Hell no. I really don't. Um, do I think... Can, can I envision a truly... Like an America with true equity, with true equality? Like... Can I even wrap my head around that concept? Like, can I, do I think that's possible? Can that ever exist? Will it ever exist? I think I gotta say no. And, and, and I know that sounds like super pessimistic and, um, but I'll tell you why. I'm not just gonna say no without telling you why. My, the why, cause like, I, I, I'm a believer that things happen that you make happen and that you like set up to happen and like that you work towards happening. Like I don't really believe in just like strokes of luck or coincidences. Like, I, you know, it's kind of a coaching football cliche or other sports too, but you know, coaches say luck is like when hard work meets preparation. I really believe that. And, and we're not putting in the hard work and the preparation that sets us on a path towards racial equity and, um, better race relations moving forward. Like, like no, you know, nobody's going to bippity-boppity-boo and snap their fingers and make this shit go away. Um, I know for a long, long time the argument that, oh, time will go away. Um, but, I mean, here we are in 2020. Like, I bet if you told black people in 1965, like, what do you think it'll be, like, dope in America for black people by 2020? I bet they were optimistic as hell. I bet they'd say, hell yeah, by 2020... My grandkids? Oh, yeah, it's going to be better by then, which and I guess in some ways, a lot of ways it is, but, but man, I don't know. There's still obviously a major issue, still a major issue. Not So I don't know if it's just happening, but it's happening too slow. Um, but I don't think necessarily time's the answer. I think that has to be more decisive. Like I don't think that it's just like a crock pot recipe. You throw it in there, let it cook, don't worry about it, and then you just end up with a delicious meal. Like, I don't... I think this is like a meticulous, like, you know what I mean? You're, you're searing a scallop and you got, you, if you do one side, not just a little bit too long, you know what I mean? It's a wrap and you fucked up the whole scallop. You got to pay super close attention to detail. You got to put in a lot of effort. Like, and we're not doing that. We're throwing the scallop in the crock pot with this racial problem and just, oh, time and oh, it's getting better. I mean, you know, black people can use water fountains now. Like, like, sorry, that's not good enough for me. Um, sorry, I'm not just going to like be happy. You know what I'm saying? That I can use, use a water fountain. When I grew up, you know what I'm saying? Knowing a lot of white girls whose parents 
want to let them date black boys. And I was born in 1994. And I knew a lot of white girls whose parents want to let them date black boys. A lot. And they would have the fucking audacity to say some shit like, my dad's not racist, but he doesn't like me to hang out with black boys. Shit like that. And that's what I'm saying. They don't even register that as racist. Or do they? Are they capping? I don't know at this point. I can't tell if it's willful ignorance or just they're that fucking ignorant. Like, I kind of fail to believe that they're that fucking ignorant. I, I kind of lean into willful ignorance or just like it's all a show and they're not ignorant at all and they're like proudly racist. They just know what word is to say. Um, and it's probably, you know, different. One of those descriptions fits different people. But, um,. The next thing I wanted to, I was going to ask my guests, but it's a really interesting question just to bat around and just to discuss with y'all even without him, is, you know, do I ever think that there's going to be another MLK or Malcolm X? And what I ought to define that as, like, um, I mean, just somebody that arises from outside the system, like, um, you know, MLK, he wasn't a governor, he wasn't a senator, he wasn't a president, um. Same could be said for Malcolm X. Like, um, you know, like Barack Obama was the president. You know, um, you know, there's been a lot of black people that have have, have come along since Malcolm and Martin, and Dr. King, that um, you know have made a big impact. So that's not. But is there gonna ever be another outsider, like just like a guy that like arises, like, you know, gonna get a little tinfoil hat here, um, you know? What if that was Bob Marley? What if that was Tupac? What if that was Nipsey Hussle? Like, what if that, like, that gets a little tinfoil hat, and I admit that. Like, I'm not sitting here saying that's gospel, that's fact. But it's it's really interesting to think about. Um, I know, like, it's not even, well, what is fact is that the, the CIA and the FBI, like, literally did, um, you know, terminate and execute and um, assassinate many head of the Black Panthers, you know, back in the 60s and early 70s, right here in the Bay Area. So it's not outside the realm of possibilities. And anybody that is saying it's outside of the realm of possibilities, I mean, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, it's all been declassified. Um, but the question is, like, I don't know. Like, that's what's fun to think about. Like, I'm a huge Nipsey Hussle fan, like huge. I got an All Money In logo tatted on my leg. Like I rock my All Money In shirts all the time. Um, I big like everything he stood for. I just I'm a huge fan. R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle, and like I tend to believe that he was that next guy. Like the shit that he was doing, like both just in the streets and just in the music industry and just in his city and just for black people in general. Just man, he was on some other shit. Um, I think he hopefully birthed and spawned a lot of other Nipsies, you know, through his music and through his message. Um, and hopefully one of them young brothers, you know, grows up and, and does the damn thing or maybe, or maybe not. Maybe I don't wish that on nobody, you know, maybe if it always ends the same, maybe we better off just staying low-key with it in little underground movements and maybe they don't need because you see how it ends every time man every time so i guess the question really turns from it will there be another you know martin luther king or malcolm x to you know 
would you even wish that on somebody essentially knowing how it's going to end? We all know how that story ends. And like, do I ever believe in America will be to the place where that story doesn't end that way? And it's like, not in my lifetime. Not in my lifetime, man. Maybe my great grandbabies, you know, if the planet's still around by then, if we're not on Mars living with Elon Musk by then, you know, maybe. One one can only think. But um interesting to think about, y'all. Um interesting to think about. Um this was episode seventeen of Dreadful Talk, um, uh, brought to you by Zach Brown. I'll I'll tag his Instagram um in the comments. Um Thank you so much, Zach, for believing in the show. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Everybody that's listening on YouTube, everybody that's listening on an audio platform, thank you so much. Um, Dreadful Talk website in the works. Dreadful Talk t-shirts in the works. We're doing the damn thing. Thanks, everybody that's been a part of this journey. I'm so excited about the future. Um, keep tuning in, everybody. Thank you so much.